Before we get started, today's episode is brought to you by Date Night In. Get 10% off your first date at diapersanddisciples.com slash date. This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 16. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and today's chat is with Jill O'Hara. I recorded this interview with Jill this summer, but wanted to wait to share it until National Adoption Day, which is the Saturday before Thanksgiving each year. The purpose of the day is to raise awareness of the more than 100,000 children in foster care, waiting for permanent, loving families. I think you're going to love this chat with Jill and how she found infertility to actually be a call and a blessing. Thanks for listening in. Here's my chat with Jill. So when I was brainstorming guests of people that I wanted to have on the podcast, um, I was chatting with my husband and he knows your family and um, he had suggested you as a guest because you just have really a beautiful and unique way that you've grown your family. And I just wanted to ask you about that today. So um, maybe we can just jump right in and you could walk us through the experience of getting married to your husband, Ryan, and then... um, wanting to have children and then discovering that you weren't able to have children and what that experience was like for you. Um, My husband and I, uh, we met each other at the Newman Center at the University of Missouri and we came um, into contact because of ministry. Um, I was, uh, had just gotten involved with uh, the high school youth group there and my husband was a camp, had newly hired campus minister. Oh, great. And um, I had recently come back to the church from a experience with Campus Crusade for Christ had been learned how to share my faith in a in a you know, more broad um, Christian aspect, but I really wanted Beautiful. to know how to share my faith as a Catholic. Yeah. And so I'm um, really seeking after that, loved ministry, had wanted to go into ministry full time before coming back to the church, but wasn't sure how to do that, you know, as a as a Catholic. And so um, there's something about Ryan and the way he, he'd also had a, a real evangelical heart. And so um, something about him, I first heard him pray out loud and he was just yeah. so passionate in his faith that it really drew me to, to Ryan. And so we spent a good deal of time um, at the beginning, just in ministry settings together um, before we started dating. And um, and then once once we were married, we continued in ministry. Um, he, I joined, I joined him quite a bit with his ministry to, to campus. We uh, set up some small groups for men and women and uh, did a lot of ministry, even like door-to-doors in the dorms. And Oh, wow. Um, great. But we wanted to, we both had a desire to know how as Catholics to have that kind of um, understanding of like, as, as in a Protestant setting, they, they do what's called the four laws, which is kind mm-hmm. of sharing um, Jesus in a kind of a consolidated way. And we wanted to know as Catholics, what do we, how do we tie the sacraments into that same right. Um, package to let people know Jesus is, you know, the center. And then to kind of, we just didn't have an understanding of how to do that as Catholics. So we, we decided we were going to go to a school um, of evangelization for Catholics and it was, it was stationed in New Zealand. So um, our, our earliest time really was spent in ministry and missionary work. Um, so we, as we were getting ready to, to go, um, my husband, we both needed a medical exam um, to be able to be out of country as part of this, of this program. And in the routine medical exam, um, they discovered a problem. My husband discovered, was um, diagnosed with something that ended up leading to the diagnosis of infertility. Mm. So it was about a year and a half into our marriage that we discovered that we wouldn't be able to have kids um, biologically. Um, and at the time, it wasn't a huge, um, it, was, it was sad and there was some loss in that, but it wasn't a huge deal to me because I'd always um, had some leaning toward adoption. Sure. Um, I, uh, I, my degree was in elementary education and we had to write a book 
I'm looking back, I didn't find this for years, but I had yeah. written a book um, about adoption from oh, my classes wow. and just the kind of the benefits and the, the grace of adoption. Um, it was an elementary kid, you know, age, you know, picture book with like illustrated and written. Um, but looking back on that, I know that that had always been a call in my heart. So we just mm-hmm. figured that we'd work on our uh, missionary stuff and then at some point we would adopt. Okay. Um, so didn't, didn't really look into too much as far as infertility treatments or anything like that at that time. Um, and that's, that's what we did. We went to New Zealand, we came back, we helped start a school of evangelization to train young uh, adults in ministry, in ministry and missionary work, um, Catholic, with a Catholic um, leaning, and um, did that for six years. Um, traveled all over, went to Mexico, and just served together. It was really, we lived in a dorm with, with young adults. And, um, and then at some point we decided, okay, we really need to start looking toward building a family. Mm-hmm. And so we decided that we wanted to go the foster care route. My parents had been foster parents, so I had some experience of what that was like. They were foster parents for older, like teenagers and older kids, but um, I got a sense of what that would be like. Okay. And um, we looked into some other aspects, international adoption and things, and we just knew that there was such a great number of kids here in the States that needed mm-hmm. homes. And then we were living with young adults. We didn't have any money, so we took a year or so to try to, you know, get a get a home and figure out how to put our finances together so we would qualify. And then uh, it was probably uh, right before I turned thirty that we had our first uh, foster child, and it happened quickly after that. There were I just was so eager to you know, once we started right. it to have children that we took we took one, and then. Um, over the course of the next year, we had eight different foster kids coming in and out, and then four of those were ended up being eligible for adoption, and we adopted them. Wow. Okay. That, that all took place. But within two years, we had our four children that we have now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's a short span of time. So then how did you go from wanting to become a foster parent to then deciding, okay, let's, let's adopt? Well, we knew that we went through the process for foster parenting through the, um, the process of getting certified. We did that with a concurrent um, ready for concurrent placements, which means that kids could be just foster care or they could be on the road to adoption and we were qualified to do both. Okay. So knowing that we were going to take whatever kids guide brought us, we didn't have a lot of specifications, except we did, I think at the beginning we said like maybe four and under or something to start with just because we were brand new parents and had no idea how to to parent, let alone parent older children immediately. Um, So we we had that set up. We'd take the kids that God had for us and if they ended up being eligible for adoption, um, that we would be the you know the first to say yes to that okay children wonderful so how old were um your children when they first came to live with you and um then it was within two years so yeah so the first little boy we had was two months old and he had some medical needs and uh, that was a great learning experience just Mm -hmm. to have that have that experience of having a baby and it was just beautiful it was really fun Mm -hmm. um he ended up being placed back with his father um and then the next child that came along was one of our boys um, actually, we had a, a time where we were, uh, they chose us for a, a baby that was already ready for adoption, but that ended up falling apart. So there, there is a lot of ups and downs, yeah, but the kids imagine. that we have now, so most of them were um, six months or younger. Okay. Um, but we did, at one point, we did a um, respite week, or like a week where you just take a, a children um, for another foster family who needs some, some time off. So we were doing that as well. So we oh, had some kids that were coming sure. into our home. And at that time, we hadn't had any older children, and we said we... We had uh, did a respite weekend for two girls that were a little bit older, four and um, eight, I think it was. And we got a sense that we kind of liked working with older kids. And so one of our children, one of the next children, we said we would be open to older kids. And one of our next children was was almost four. And he's we, we ended up adopting him. Okay, wonderful. So um, for people that might be listening that might be interested in maybe becoming a foster parent or adoption, um, 
maybe you can just walk us through, um, maybe not necessarily, maybe some of the like practicals of it. Like how did you, um, maybe just prepare yourself, like whether that be spiritually or how did you prepare for that? What was that like? Um, yeah. So yeah, there are a lot of practical pieces, which usually the the person who's helping you to become certified will go through with you and a lot of a lot of time for Ryan and I to think about ways that we wanted to prepare our family and our our home and um for that but there was also it it was a great deal of spiritual preparation too because of just knowing that I was going to have my heart broken Mm. probably over and over again Mm. and being ready to to face that yeah um so yeah it was um it was good that I was um pretty zealous in my faith at that time mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, pretty passionate about my walk with the Lord because otherwise I don't think that mm. it, it would have been pretty hard. Um, I mean, it was hard. It was very hard and <laughs> lots of, lots of challenges, but because of uh, God's faithfulness to us, um, just kept, kept drawing back, um, and, you know, to him. Mm. Um, but yeah, lots of ups and downs. Beautiful. Would you say, um, the heartbreak you're referring to, is that just, um, having children for a time and then having them be you know transition back either to life with one of their parents or to a different foster home or for sure that would be the the initial um heartbreak Mm -hmm. was definitely those like the first little baby that he was with us for eight months and just knowing that trusting god that the placement you know back with the with the family member was going to be a safe and healthy one and trusting the lord that that time i'd had with him even though he would never remember me Mm -hmm. was foundational for him Mm-hmm. And um, was benefit, you know, was a, a time, time well spent preparing him with pictures of himself and a little baby book so that his, oh, you know, his dad would yeah. know that he hadn't, you know, the time that he missed out on him, he'd also have memories of that mm-hmm. as well. Um, so that was definitely painful. Um, and sometimes too, in, in really thinking that maybe a child was going to stay with us, mm-hmm. that maybe they'd begun the process of severing relationship with the parents and, and just not knowing lots of ups and downs and oh but then maybe they find another relative mm. and so the real ups and downs of, of just knowing that the child needed me to attach to them because that's what you know a healthy infancy right. it's going to lead to healthy you know an older child that's healthy they need to be able to know that they are loved completely mm. and they need attachment to their caregiver mm. but knowing that the more attached I became the more challenging that would be yeah. to let go um, so just trying to keep a healthy balance in my heart of that was challenging. So that was probably the initial heartbreak was that when the yeah. child would leave and just the pain mm-hmm. that was to say goodbye. And, um, but then as they've grown, um, there's another kind of, of heartbreak that happens as you raise kids who have mm-hmm. been through the traumatic experiences. Rather, it's traumatic experiences after birth that they've gone through before mm-hmm. they're placed into the foster care system, or just the severing of the relationship that they were carried by this woman for nine months. Mm-hmm. This is their mom, and then they, you know, it's a different voice that they're hearing. It's a different caretaker, and um, just the pain also too of not knowing, you know, why, um, mm-hmm. why that their parent wasn't able to care for them. Sure. So just walking that with my children has been a lot of heartbreak mm. and going through the ups and downs that those, um, that, that, that um, lack of early care um, has caused in their life. Sure. And then at the time, so did you um, know kind of about their history and in their past? How much um, information are you given about that? Um, each child is different, but there's not, there's not a whole lot okay. um, that, that you... Yeah, it's mm-hmm. kind of what the parents offer, which oftentimes, oh, and you know, sometimes the parents aren't even able to offer much. Sure. <laughs> given, you know, just depending on how abruptly the child is removed from, mm-hmm. from home mm-hmm. and then how many relatives might be available to kind of help you piece that together. Mm-hmm. That's good. So, what would you say have been some of um, the joys of growing your family in this way? Uh, it's it's a, a beautiful thing to feel like uh, 
that you got a real call on your life. That God, I mean, every family has that, of course. But sure. just think that God has uniquely picked this child out of this circumstance and oh. placed them in my family. Um, and they're each so unique. I mean, the, the, the joy, too, of watching a, a child develop and having no idea the gifts and talents they might have um, because you have, you know, link to their biological you know, right. background has been... It's been a joy. It's been wow. fun to see yes. how unique our family is. So, so the children that you've adopted aren't. Um, none of them are biological no. siblings. Then, okay, wow. So that's so unique. All <laughs> yeah, all different different backgrounds yeah. and different gifts and talents. Yeah. Beautiful. And then to be stretched. There have been so many ways as a mom, I was not prepared mm. for what it would mean to raise kids in this way. Mm. And so, just to have to 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 come to the end of my to my limits and. Um, to come to you know the bottom uh, so many times has been really good. So mm. I'm grateful too. It's been a joy in some ways. Even the suffering has been a joy mm. to just continue to be drawn back to the Lord. Mm. That's beautiful. Hi friends. Just wanted to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor, Night Inboxes. Cameron and I experienced our first date night inbox this month and loved it. Complete with dinner recipes, fun activities, and conversation prompts, it has everything you need for a fun date night. And the best part? No planning or prep, and no need to schedule a babysitter. All you need is the box. Cameron and I had our date night on a weeknight after the kids went to sleep. Want the kids to join in on the fun? Check out Kids Night In. Think daddy-daughter date or a fun activity box with the kids to bond with grandma and grandpa. Or break it open on a Saturday for a family fun day. Again, no pre-planning. You just open the box and you're ready for funny animal face painting and a special zoo story and snack, or home bowling and obstacle course and joke book. Get 10% off your first date night or kids night in at diapersanddisciples.com slash date. And thanks for supporting the show. Um, what would you say went into kind of the discernment of... Um whether you were going to adopt or not. Um, just going back to um, maybe like something you could have done would have been like maybe just jump even more into ministry or something like that, but then deciding, <laughs> oh, no, I think we, we do want to have children in our lives. And what went into the discernment of that? And then also the discernment of what route you were going to take, like through foster care? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'd always, I was in elementary education. That was my, my background. So I, I have always felt a pull toward children. And I knew I wanted to do something more than just parent, you know, to take care for them as a teacher. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to have them in my home and have that opportunity to, to build family life. And, and I, and, um, Ryan, my husband was probably a little bit more anxious about that. Didn't have maybe that same passionate call of nurturing and motherhood sure. in him, yeah. but he was open to it as well. Um, and I, I feel like I've, you know, always had a heart too for the disadvantaged, you mm-hmm. know, for those who either can't speak for themselves or, you know, in poverty or whatever. So, um, I, I, I knew that, uh, that, you know, foster care, foster care just really, really, um, struck a heartstring too, to, to, to those children that no one else was lining up necessarily mm-hmm. to care for. Um, I know that, you know, infant adoption, there's a lot of different ways that a lot of families build their homes. But to me, that was, I wanted those children that no one else was, hmm. you know, there wasn't going to be a waiting list for, right. for the kids that were coming into my home hmm. necessarily. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I love that. Um, that kind of leads me, leads me into one of the questions I wanted to ask you, which was, um, how does someone go about choosing, um, 
I, I don't know exactly how to phrase this, but what kind of child to adopt, whether it's like an older child or how do you think someone goes about figuring out what would be best for them? That's a good question. I mean, a lot of people that I know of that, especially the, who are doing foster care, do start trying to start with, early, you know, the younger children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's comp- you know, complications if you've got your own biological children, it's kind of difficult to upset the birth order. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of validity to that, to not, to trying to be careful, to not um, do too much to, that might have a long-term big impact on your own biological children. Hmm. Uh, for us, it was just the fact that we didn't, we kind of wanted to have a more um, natural progression age-wise just because sure. we wanted to grow with our kids. We didn't, we, told, we always said we didn't want any children that were older than our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. So just that being makes able sense. to kind of learn yeah. in the normal way that you parent. Right. Um, okay. That makes a lot of sense. sense. That's great. Um, I wanted to ask you about how Christian community has played a role in in your marriage and family life because I know you're a part of um, a Christian community of other um, single people, young families, um, older families. I just wanted to ask maybe how how that's played a role in your your marriage and your family. Um, I, to me, it's the accountability to know that there are other couples and families that are striving to to draw their you know children to holiness and mm-hmm. get to heaven. Um, to me, that that uh, and there's a pattern of life, of prayer life, of of um, family meals and things like that that help us to have some sense of commitment to the way we want to live our life and to not, you know, you're always hearing. So if I, you know, I'm missing my prayer times or I'm not having, we're not doing family meals. There's always another family that we're hearing about the way that they're doing oh, that. Oh sure, yeah. So to me, it's a there's an accountability to help to to keep. Um, falling back on the, what we know is the right way to, to live as a family. And plus, the other thing we really wanted is the opportunity for our kids to be to be raised in an environment where they're going to have other, to have peers who have the same heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and our kids, because of special needs, our kids go to public schools. Okay. So it's all the more important for our children to have a place where they are with like-minded peers okay. and called on to holiness. Mm-hmm. Um, how old are your children now? I forgot to ask. Our oldest is 15. Okay. And the youngest is 10. Wow. Okay. So how do you think you've changed as a parent from those early years to where you're at now? Uh, I think we've learned not to look too much to other people as far as figuring out if our kids are okay or not. Oh, in the beginning, sure. we were doing a lot of comparison mm-hmm. and you just can't compare um, kids who've been through the things our children have been through yeah. with um, families who are raising their kids with the great firm foundation that a Catholic, good Catholic upbringing will have. So we did a lot of comparing, you know, why aren't our kids able to sit still for prayer times? And, you know, why do our family meals look so chaotic? And maybe we should be disciplining harder. And it was just really good to realize that, um, you know, I, we did a lot of, um, of training and work with therapists and things mm-hmm. to realize that there are just particular expectations you can have um, for your own children that it just, it looks different raising yeah. kids. That's beautiful because I think it's so easy to to compare. I mean, yeah. just even from my experience, seeing other kids like around the same age as my kids or how other families do things um, and thinking, oh, yeah, like you said, our dinner time looks a little bit more chaotic <laughs> than sometimes when we go to other people's homes for dinner. And it's like, oh, what? <laughs> our, our kids do look different than other children. And um, yeah, I think that's just normal, uh, different families and, and different children. So yeah. uh, that's beautiful. Um, Okay, I'd love to ask you a few questions that I ask all my guests, if you don't mind sharing. So the first one is, what would you say is your favorite part of your home and why? Um, well, we just moved into this home and we, we 
purchase the home because we needed more space for our kids. Mm-hmm. So to me, one of my sons has a bedroom and he was here. We had three boys in one bedroom before and sure. now he has his own room and he's a kid who really just needs that time to process. So I love his bedroom. Oh, <laughs> I'm so thankful great. that we have this space for him. Um, so, you know, to be able to sit in there with him and read a story quietly and have that personal one-on-one time with mm-hmm. him is really special to me. Beautiful. I love that. Um, what is something you are loving recently? So this could be something maybe you're reading or watching or just something that you're telling everyone about. Yeah, I, <laughs> I didn't get to this question on there. And it's oh, hard. I, okay. My life is so busy and crazy that uh, my, my husband and I are really into politics. So we're watching Madam Secretary right now. Oh, okay. Um, I haven't so that's heard of that. It's a, nice, it's a nice break to from the day, you know, what my life looks like and the fact that I don't get out much or know much about what's going on in the world. Sure. Kind of look at, the, at politics. It's fun. Okay. That's really fun. Is it on Netflix? Or yes. How? Okay. Great. I love that. Um, and my last question is, do you have any mom hacks that you can share or something that maybe makes your life a little simpler? Um, I, I have learned to ask for help. I, I used to never want, I wouldn't try to do everything myself. And, I'm, mm-hmm. um, and I think I've learned a lot, like with my kids, especially again, my kids have a lot of special needs. Uh, I, I've learned to trade kids. Um, oh yeah. So we do a lot of like, so our meals are chaotic. So we ask family friends who have just maybe younger kids and my kids, I have a, a one particular child who does really well with their children. So he'll go over and have dinner with their family. And then oh, we have a chance great. with our family to kind of have a smaller number of kids at our table. It kind of works better that way. Right. Um, or I have one boy who does a really good job. And again, with another family who um, has younger kids, um, he kind of accompanies them. Like they went to vacation Bible school and he went with them. It was great for us. Cause like I said, life is crazy when I have all four of my boys around, mm. but he, did well with this this family helping their kids out and I had a little break so we do a lot of I, I share my kids a lot <laughs> that's beautiful I love that I've even noticed for myself with my children when there's someone over to play with or when they're able to go and play with someone I'm just able to yeah just get more done or focus more on one child and that's beautiful I love that um maybe we could just end with like a little bit of encouragement for maybe some moms that are feeling um just discouraged or overwhelmed in their life with um, whatever it might be, just the tasks. Well, I have I had one thing that I didn't get to share that has actually been really important to me. It wasn't the beginning of the process of infertility. It's more toward the end. And I know I know it may not be people that are even mothers yet or whatever, or maybe mothers, but again, in my mm-hmm. situation, who don't have their own biological children. And um, I think I, I really seen, sometimes you can feel less than when that's the case. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people dealing with infertility, especially women, feel less than other women who have their own biological children. And I, I really went through this, especially right before I'm, I'm 42 now, but right before I turned 40, it was really hard to realize. I mean, I never have my own kids. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just a beautiful grace when I realized a lot of us women feel cursed when that's the case. Mm-hmm. And it's a, real, it's a really beautiful thing. The Lord really put on my heart especially as Catholics, that there are so many kids in this, in this, in our society that need homes. And it's really a, a blessing. It's a blessing and a call when God is, mm. infertility can be a blessing and a call mm. um, in our lives that, that um, a good Catholic family who can raise other people's children is mm. a gift that these kids need that foundation. And it's really beautiful. So it's been a gift for me to be able to look at it like that, to stop seeing my life as a curse mm. and to begin to see it as a blessing. Wow. That, that is beautiful and powerful to to say that infertility in some ways could be yeah a blessing and an opportunity to to adapt and grow your family in that way that's beautiful I love it wonderful well I'll go ahead and close this in prayer um, Lord Jesus thank you so much for this time together and um, 
Lord, thank you for all those listening today. Um, I pray that um, whatever they're in the midst of right now, um, whatever struggles or trials they're facing, whether that be um, just the chaos of, of their day, or um, maybe it's infertility, or um, a problem that seems um, too big, um, Lord, that we can just um, offer all those things to you and um, to choose joy today and um, to choose to love you in the difficult tasks and the mundane tasks um, and that we can see see you, Lord, in our children and in our families. And Lord, we offer this prayer in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hi friends, I hope you loved this chat with Jill as much as I did. I absolutely loved when she said that it's a beautiful thing to know God has uniquely picked this child out of this circumstance and placed them in my family. Wow, God has some amazing plans for each of us and for our unique families. Mamas, let's take some time today to thank the Lord for each of the unique children that he has given us. We are so blessed. Thanks for listening in. Until next time, you all are in my prayers.